cases. Um, he was a narcotics agent. And um, even more telling is that, uh, you know, I, I was investigating the case for the federal government. Free was investigating it privately for his clients and handlers with the, the intent to satisfy um, his desire to work for the NCAA. And the state attorney general's office was trying to satisfy a political vendetta um, against Dr. Spanier and uh, with the interest of uh, having a political entity become the most popular person in Pennsylvania as opposed to Joe Paterno and Dr. Graham Spanier. Um, the fly in the ointment is, is it free and his private investigation and the state with their state politically motivated investigation had no knowledge that there was a concurrent federal investigation taking place. And once they learned that yours, yes, once they learned that they tried to subpoena me in front of their grand jury um, to see what was in the federal report. But because of the fact uh, that they had just learned of it and they had already come to their predetermined conclusions, they were in a big bind. And so they, they submitted a, uh, they, they issued a subpoena for me to appear at the, uh, at the grand jury. But interestingly enough, uh, that was immediately blocked by the doctrine of sovereign immunity. So Dr. Grant, Dr. Spanier had the, the benefit of that investigation. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have, have read it and they understand that there was what was alleged never happened. And Dr. Spanier was not guilty of any crimes. But um, they're operating under um, self-imagined impunity because they didn't realize that there was a federal investigation conducted at the same time, you know, um, certainly puts them in a bind. And it puts them in a bind up till today and in the future because they're, the results of their investigations, were, which were predetermined and collusive, uh, don't fit the facts. Whereas the federal investigation is factual. Anyway, I think uh, I, I think the investigators on Free's side were working under uh, working under self-imagined impunity um, and could come up with whatever they want, whatever they wanted to. And, um, you know, write up their reports that aren't particularly, uh, you know, um, factual. Um, clearly, if you're going to make statements and, uh, and not be on a fact-finding mission, you're rather, uh, you know, supporting your predetermined conclusions, um, you have a problem with all the investigators involved in that private investigation. Same thing is applied to the uh, state investigation, wherein they have a predetermined conclusion and they have investigators are politically beholden uh, to the entities that uh, have a particular motivation. Uh, they use them to come up with whatever they needed to. And those two entities work together to come to a conclusion that they both um, 
had predetermined. I mean, I have no faith, and I don't think any citizens in Pennsylvania should have any faith in uh, a circumstance um, when you look at the overall picture of how that case was investigated, um, to have any faith at all in what they're doing. With that particular, the, the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General needs to be investigated by an independent entity, and it needs to happen soon because everybody uh, in that state is susceptible to having that type of event take place. But I, I, again, I think the uh, the the investigators that were uh, were uh, involved in that case and the prosecutors, particularly, um, there's a complete lack of integrity. Um, they're politically motivated, and as we've seen with Frank Fina before the uh, Office of Disciplinary Counsel. I wanted to, I have a question for both John and Dr. Nichols. First of all, Dr. Nichols, uh, thank you for your experience on this unpleasant situation because between talking to you and Dick Anderson, this is a much bigger nightmare than I even imagined. I've been an, an investigator for 30 years and that's what's leading me to my question. Who the hell are these investigators working on this case for free to be so intimidating and to be nothing but bullies for for and and all devoid of finding facts? Who, John, you you investigated this case. Who were the in fact these investigators? Were they ex FBI under Freed? Are they just jamokes off the street? Who are these guys? Well. The uh, uh, just recently, um, we we have access to to the uh, um, documents that uh, Free allegedly used to come to his conclusions, which again are uh, not uh, supported by any any evidentiary items. As you said, there's no smoking gun. But interestingly enough, in going through the uh, the uh, supporting his alleged supporting documents um one of his uh senior private investigators with his firm um kathleen mcchesney who is a, a former bureau agent um which uh and she was she documented via a detailed diary of all the activities that were taking place. Um, she, you know, uh, not every day do you run into a diary documenting criminal acts on the part of a, uh, <laughs> a private investigative entity. But she, in fact, did document in a diary um, the, complete, uh, the, uh, the complete and total criminal acts that they undertook to, um, you know, satisfy their... Uh, as you said, ingratiation to the NCAA. Um, she documents the uh, grand jury uh, secrecy uh, events, uh, violations of those, uh, uh, the grand jury uh, secrecy um, circumstances with uh, communications between um, Frank Fina, former uh, Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General, uh, prosecutor who happened to also be the head of the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General's corruption unit. I mean, how can you have um, any credibility 
when you're making uh, uh, every day you're uh, releasing grand jury information to a private entity. And she, anyway, she uh, made a made a uh, very detailed diary of everything that was occurring, and we have a copy of that. And uh, we've gone through it, and we continue to go through it to uh, document all the uh, criminal acts they were involved in. Um, not only that, but the uh, state investigators, um, they, you have a narcotics uh, agent investigating ex sex crimes uh, case, which is uh, appalling. And why do you have that? It's because that agent was politically beholden to the prosecutors in that case and could deliver what they wanted. Um, in my view, it, it uh, is a clear indication of lack of integrity uh, on the part of the investigators. And clearly, if it was a, uh, a sex crime case that they were investigating, they would have somebody that has background in that. I mean, I have background in that. Um, did anybody investigating this case for the state have background in that? Was the lead investigator have a background in uh, uh, the investigation of, of uh, child sex abuse case? And uh, I mean, I interviewed uh, Cynthia Baldwin for uh, several hours relative to her involvement and uh, her, <laughs> the, the results of her interview are nothing like what uh, was manipulated by Frank Fina. So anyway, I would say that uh, the bottom line is the integrity in the uh, Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General and the, uh, uh, their investigators, as well as the uh, free private investigation firm is zero, in my view. Thank you. That's what I want our listeners to understand. Um, Dr. Nichols, the, uh, you know, you, you, you have extensive knowledge in regard to inter intercollegiate, intercollegiate athletics. And, uh, I think people really don't understand necessarily what the, the overall view is and, uh, in regard to Penn state athletics in the, in the community. Um, could you just give us your, uh, impression of, of the, uh, how in Penn state athletics, um, is viewed in the, in the community? Well, uh, uh Penn state, uh, situated in a relatively small town and so um, Penn State is the uh, is the giant in this particular valley and uh, and Penn State sports are, are very are very popular um, uh, you know so there's a, a close relationship but the I don't know if it's implicit in your question but one of the findings of the free report and one of the findings that was most outrageous to me, was free said that um, that there were uh, uh, sexual assault on children and that university officials orchestrated by coach Joe Paterno had sought to cover up those sex crimes uh, to protect football and all of that and this is 
I think significant, all of that was done in uh, in a culture that existed in the university and the community to support that behavior. And they said that, fat, and this is a quote from Mark Embert, the president of the NCAA, that at Penn State, faculty, staff, students, and uh, alumni, and the entire university community uh, had a culture of supporting football over the well-being of their own children. Can you imagine that statement? And so because I go to football games and I enjoy the spectacle of college football, that I would therefore sacrifice the well-being of my own children for, for football, yet that's what Free alleged, and that's what uh, Emmert and the NCAA parroted, and, uh, and that's what it was the rationale for the NCAA consent decree that did serious damage to, uh, to Penn State and, and individuals. To argue that an entire community uh, and the university community and the local community would sacrifice the well-being of their own children to protect football, I mean, it doesn't pass the straight face test, but that was part of the media feeding frenzy is that the Penn State community was so corrupt that they would, uh, they would throw their children to the Lions to, pr to protect football. Unbelievable. You know, it just uh, flies in the face of uh, the, the entire episode um, without, you know, I'm not addressing anything else. It's a lack of, you know, to bring it down to uh, the bottom line is there was a lack of, of common sense involved right off the bat. I mean, I know that you've you've talked about the uh, you've addressed the uh, board reaction and how they uh, how they try to handle it in a uh, with a corporate view in a acad academic environment. But, uh, you know, I've, I've said all along, um, having investigated this, that, uh, you know, no. And there were elements on the uh, board that. Uh, you know, this satisfied their goals and their uh, they were motivated to have this type of uh, action take place to satisfy their their personal motivations and personal uh, vindictive uh, uh, vindictiveness. But uh, wh why is it and from a common sense perspective, why they wouldn't sit back, take a breath and say, hey, what are we really looking at here? As opposed to, you know, uh, if, if, if in fact there were no political motivations or vindictive motivations, uh, you would expect somebody to sit back, take a deep breath and say, what exactly are we looking at and where are we getting the information? Is that information credible? But nobody did that. I think you're absolutely correct. And it, and it, and. The Board of Trustees, the NCAA, um, indeed the prosecutors, the media. Can you imagine looking at this story and, you know, journalists are supposed to be skeptical. They're supposed to look at the situation and, 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 and try and figure out where the, uh, the problems, the holes, the, 
the inconsistencies are and to report them. But this is, it was so outrageous, so, as you say, lacking any common sense, um, yet uh, the vast majority of the media reported it without any skepticism that that an entire community, that, that officials of the university would cover up child sexual assault to protect football. I mean, that's a pretty... That's a pretty outrageous statement, and it requires a huge amount of proof. Um, and but they didn't go through the process. And uh, you're absolutely right. It, it was so. As we wrote in our, the faculty senate chairs wrote in our statement in 2012. We did it without much information because it was so obviously, uh, the free report so obviously flawed. Devoid of devoid of uh, evidentiary support. Yep. Oh my God. The, uh, I mean, it's a it's a hideous in my view, it's a hideous display of uh, uh, under the umbrella of corruption. There's no question about it. I mean, uh, in my view, again, if you have a circum, if you're faced with a circumstance like that, you're going to sit back and see exactly well, what are you dealing with. And what's the credibility? I mean, we, uh, you know, the initial witness in this uh, uh, fiasco is uh, clearly not credible. Um, he he should actually be brought up on on criminal charges for his, uh, you know, distribution of uh, of pornography uh, to coeds. You know, I mean, the uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the. Uh, the entire, uh, I, in my view, the entire prosecutorial uh, uh, framework in, in Pennsylvania and the uh, Pennsylvania judiciary did a complete disservice to all the citizens in Pennsylvania while they were, uh, you know, fulfilling the uh, uh, politically uh, motivated, uh, you know, you know, you can describe it as a hit job. I mean, in in my view, it was a big, giant political hit job. Uh, somebody wanted to be the most popular person in Pennsylvania, and you got to take some people out to do that, apparently. So, but interestingly enough, you know, they're not holding parades for those guys every day. And, you know, somebody knows what's up, and we certainly know what's up, and we have the documents to prove it. So, um. Overall, the uh, the other thing is this, you know, I the, the, there's a lot of businesses in State College that that uh, operate um, by virtue of the athletics that uh, for Penn State, you know, the hotels and uh, the restaurants and uh, the you know, corner room and the tavern and places like that where they are dependent upon that. And I know that there was a lot of. Uh, um a lot of people were distraught about the fact that the uh, NCAA um, sanctions based on a report with no evidentiary support would have major financial uh, impact on those businesses that, uh, you know, um, support basically, uh, you know, the uh, hundreds, uh, the hundred thousand people that come into state college to, um, to uh, attend these uh events uh you know that that damage on its own um 
caused by the NCAA accepting a, uh, uh, a report that has no evidentiary support. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, the, the, uh, the tentacles of uh, damage beyond the fact that, uh, you know, you have uh, Penn State administra- administrators that have been uh, uh, stellar in their, in their, in their jobs and, uh, you know, much like, uh, Dr. Bram Spanier and, uh, Tim Carley and, uh, Gary Schultz, all of whom I interviewed, uh, it's just shocking to, to see that, uh, something that's politically motivated and a report that has absolutely no evidentiary support whatsoever, um, and was collusive with another entity, um, that's trading uh, grand jury uh, information with a entity that has no business having it um, can cause that, that type of damage. Um, and nobody takes a look at the big picture. It's appalling. John, there's an, another group of, uh, of, uh, of victims, uh, collateral damage to, uh, to what you just described. There was a, there was a, uh, there's a new documentary that was, um, was previewed here in State College. It's called Iron Lions. I don't know if you've had an opportunity. Oh yes, yes, yes. The players. Yes, I mean the, the players. So here you got, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kids, who are placed in an awful situation because of circumstances that they had no responsibility for, no control over, yet they were forced by the NCAA, based on a, on a, uh, a bogus report by Free, to make life-changing decisions. And it was absolutely fascinating and heartbreaking to see the trauma that, um, that these misbehaving adults caused to, uh, to these faultless players. And one... One example was uh, was Cyrus Red, the star running back, who right. made the choice to uh, uh, forced into making a choice, and he made the wrong the wrong choice and left Penn State, and uh, uh, and he was on camera weeping uh, because he um, you know he had made the wrong choice, but he didn't know at the time. He was you know twenty years old, and he was forced by a bunch of misbehaving adults to make a life-changing decision uh, and he made the wrong uh, the wrong choice and suffered suffered consequences and I thought that was a really poignant um, documentary and it, it's going to be available in general circulation soon and I would recommend it to your to your listeners I mean it just it's heart rendering to see the damage uh, the trauma that it caused uh, the players who are completely faultless in the mess yeah, exactly. That's uh, there's so many tentacles of damage here. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, uh, again, Dr. Graham Spanier, who is guilty of nothing, um, for him to be able to get his uh, stellar stellar reputation back is, uh, you know, for him to have to fight for that when when in actuality he was fighting um, the good fight and uh has to suffer the consequences of somebody that wants to be uh you know the most popular person in pennsylvania is unbelievable just unbelievable the uh 
I did want to mention uh, or ask maybe if you'd be inclined to um, address this at all. I know that you were uh, intimately involved in the, uh, sadly, intimately involved in the uh, process to uh, find a coach to uh, replace uh, Joe Paterno. Um, is it, and I know that the uh, political environment uh, must have been uh, unbelievable. Uh, can you address that at all? Can you can you give give us insight at all to that? Well, um, yes, I was on the uh, the search committee to uh, uh, to find a new football coach to replace Joe Paterno. And yes, you're right; it was it was a high tension very complicated, stressful affair, and everybody thought they knew the answer and uh, to the point of uh, if you didn't agree, uh, you get uh, threats of physical harm by email and phone calls. It was, it really was a, it was a eye-opening experience for a, uh, for a stuffy, boring old uh, faculty member who was not used to that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think that I strongly believe that um, that the search committee ultimately did a really good job, and uh, I'm patting myself on the back, though, but I was only a small part of it in in selecting Bill O'Brien as the uh, as the football coach. Uh, he carried us in that transition period, and his demeanor and his actions. Um, were uh, really helpful, maybe even uh, saved the uh, saved the program. So I think the outcome was good, but it was an eye-opening experience. I was particularly appalled by the media coverage of uh, of the search. So I'm on the search committee. I'm inside the room, and I'd turn on television in the evening, and I would hear reports about what was taking place that were absolutely false. There was one case in which the Harrisburg Patriot News reported that I was in another state um, uh, interviewing a football coach. I've never met that coach, and I've never even been in that state. Yet the, the, the newspaper, the website, reported as fact something that absolutely did not take place. And so that was a real eye-opening experience about how um, how this scandal engendered some of the, the sloppiest, most outrageous and untruthful coverage. Um, yet a lot of people out there would read that and s assume that it was correct. Um, so that, that was a real eye opener for me. Yes, sir. Um, that, that brings another uh, thought to mind. Now, you are connected with the uh, uh, communications um, department at Penn State. Is that right? That's right. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, this whole uh, circumstance with the, um, the, the leaking, the illegal leaking of grand jury information and the manipulation of the media to uh, satisfy particular political motivations, I think can be uh, um, brings brings to to light a uh, a very young reporter at the Harrisburg Patriot News who allegedly broke this case. Uh, Sarah Gannon. 
who uh, information has uh, come to us, uh, the search warrant team, that uh, that reporter was seen repeatedly in the company of Governor Corbett at the time that this was breaking. Um, but she subsequently won a Pulitzer Prize. Um, with your experience in communications and uh, having followed this entire episode, can you address at all uh, your thoughts in regard to uh, Sarah Gannam? Well, I um, actually, I think I'm going to pass on that. I mean, she is a graduate of our, our program, um, and, uh, and I don't have any first, firsthand, firsthand knowledge, and so I think I would be uh, uh, best advised to, uh, uh, to not flap my jaw about yes. things that, yes, that I really don't know anything about. My, by the way, I think that's, that's been the, one of the big problems in this, in, this, in this mess, not just for the media, but for, for people in general. Remember I said before that any fair-minded person who is fully informed and doesn't have an ax to grind would conclude that uh, Spanier is not guilty of a, of, of a crime. The problem is that most people are not fully informed, including in the media. They don't go through the, the, the hard work of getting at least most of the facts. Uh, they skim across the, uh, the surface and draw, uh, draw uh, a conclusion based on uh, superficial and sometimes inaccurate information. And so we, we're sort of, sort of where we are in society right now, and it's sad to say, but almost any issue, and in this case, an explosive, controversial issue, almost any issue, people quickly uh, divide up into sides. It is, uh, uh, Penn State is guilty of this horrible crime, or Penn State is not guilty, and it's, and they do it without complete information, without without the facts, and then once the battle line is is uh, is drawn, then you start lobbing hand grenades over uh, the battle line to to the other side to do maximum damage, and uh, and that's an unfortunate part where we are in, in in society. It would be most of these issues, including the. The Penn State scandal are very complicated and very nuanced, and to draw white and black conclusions, uh, guilt, innocent, uh, is uh, is it, it does a disservice to what actually happened. It would be nice if the media and the public in general would not flap their jaws about things that they don't know anything about. Yes, sir. The uh, if you, for instance. I mean, it just uh, generally speaking, I mean, if, if you are a if you are a reporter and find yourself in the in a position where you believe yourself to be being used by an entity as opposed to a as opposed to being a, you know, um, reporter reporting the facts and we would all hope that uh Sadly, this is not the case, but we would hope that we would get to the back to the point where investigative reporting and being a watchdog would be something that we would, uh, you know, we always want that. That's something we want. We want to know the truth. But um, 
I mean, is there, in your view, just generally, I mean, for a reporter to, to be utilized by an entity to get their, their word out, I mean, isn't that something that should be, um, the, the reporter should be aware of? As opposed to, as opposed to, um, actually checking the facts, and um, as opposed to just being used as a, as a part of the machine to get your word out. If I if I'm making sense with that. No, you're you're making absolute sense, and uh, and that is one of the core issues that our journalism faculty tries to uh, uh, tries to teach our, our journalism students um, and uh, uh, most reporters need to talk um, uh, need to receive receive confidential information um, and uh, have uh, uh, off the record sources in order to find truths that might not otherwise be available to the public but you're absolutely right you get into those kinds of relationships and you could be used and abused and so the, the challenge for good reporters is to know uh, when you're being used and abused and when you need to go several extra steps to verify the information, find facts uh, and other evidence, corroborating evidence to support that. So you've, you've identified one of the um, one of the great um, one of the great problems in, 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 in American journalism. And we. We hope that we that most good reporters would not engage in that kind of activity, but regrettably, many do. Yes, sir, I understand. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, an investigative reporter by the name of Ralph Cipriano out of Philadelphia. He was a yes, uh, I am. Yeah, yes, sir. He was a uh, uh, a staff uh, writer for the uh, Los Angeles Times as well as uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I've had several conversations with him as a matter of fact i think he he has an article out in regard to how a political entity would use a, utilize a you know for the lack of a better term i know i'm sure there's probably more a a more uh you know academic term for it but to to utilize a cub reporter to get your word out um you know, and, and and we've certainly had several discussions in that regard, and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. But I, I think generally speaking, um, and I'm so glad to hear that that uh, you guys are are, you know, pushing pushing the point that uh, that that you uh, that you just uh, related that you know people are actually clamoring for somebody to become an investigative reporter, you know. Um, to become our watchdogs. I mean, we used to have a lot of watchdogs. I don't know what happened that we no longer have watchdogs and we need them. We absolutely need them because they're the only ones that, you know, your entire career, or at least most, most of part of it in communications and interaction with these other entities at a, at a very, uh, high level i mean what keeps them in check in my view uh it keeps uh the, the investigative reporters and the watchdog reporters are the ones that keep them in check and we don't have that right now we don't have enough of that right now at least in my view 
I, I couldn't agree more, both in the specific cases we're talking about. The media were uh, uh, were a uh, a necessary condition in how this this uh, sorry story played out. If the media had done what you were asking it to do when Free gave his press conference and issued his executive summary, if it did the hard look at it and saying, wait a minute, there's a lot of holes here. Where's the beef? Where's the evidence? If it had done that, it would have played out very, very differently. Uh, even though it didn't in the, in the stage we're in now, when an injustice, when a hugely inaccurate uh, reporting has taken place and an injustice has, uh, has resulted, you would assume that the media would go back and say, okay, we screwed it up back in 2012, but now we're going to redress that injustice by in-depth examination of where we went wrong and where the real truth is. Regrettably, that does not take place. The media just is not set up to do that. And that's why the importance of your podcast and a lot of the and the some of the books we talked about before and the documentaries uh, might help to to redress that. But um, and you expand that to what's happening nationwide. The the problems in the in the media in the United States are uh, um, are uh, are getting worse. And uh, and a democracy cannot function without. Um, uh, and justice cannot prevail without a, um, a high-quality, responsible media. And the media currently are in a tailspin. Yes, sir. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think that, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, we, all love, uh, we all love watchdogs. We all love uh, investigative reporters. And I know that they... Uh, there's great risk involved, but, uh, you know, the reward is, is that you have an informed public. And I think that's what we're, we're lacking now, particularly with these geez, you know, you, you talk to people and the way they run around with their phones and they, you know, the young people now, they get all their news from, uh, Snapchat or Twitter. And, you know, it's just a blur. They don't read an article. You know, if they if they go through their phone and they read a headline that, uh, you know, something occurred, you know, in, instantaneously, they think that they're up on it. And the next thing you know, they're reiterating just the headline when we've uh, we've had previously previous discussions on the podcast that, uh, you know, headlines can be incredibly deceiving. I mean, you, you can't. And sadly, uh, I, I think, uh, it, again, in my view, it's a, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the public now has a um, incredibly short attention span, uh, which, which uh, you know, is satisfied by reading a headline. And we've seen so many of those that they're inaccurate. I mean, he, even the... Uh, you know, the, the, the Covington, uh, the school kids, you know, that circumstance, um, at least, at least, uh, you know, there were retractions and, uh, people realized what was going on. Um, you know, we really, we have to hope for, uh, you know, investigative reporters to, 
that that have uh, fortitude to to go after this just as we are. Um, the risks are great, but the reward is is that people are informed with the facts, not the not just the headline. So, um, Anna, do you have any questions? Tom? I'm here. Um, we may have lost it, but she's fading yeah. in and out. She's um, having connection issues. No, I, I just, yeah, I just want to reiterate that I, I feel like I got a wealth of knowledge today when I thought I did have that already. So I really appreciate this, Dr. Nichols. It's, it's a great insight. And I, sometimes it makes me wonder whether, you know, the best fight for this whole Sandusky business is fight fire with fire. And when I say that, I believe it was politically driven, but I believe that, that whole case was molested, just terribly molested by, by the media. And the media in their quest to create news these days as opposed to reporting it. So I'm kind of wondering and hoping that maybe we can use the media to fight back. I mean, there, there are avenues like, uh, uh, like the Richard Jewell movie that, you know, that kind of attempt or Glenn Beck or the killing of Joe Pertono, meaning, uh, Who's the gentleman just escaped my mind that writes those kind of books? I mean, there there's avenues out there that, that maybe we can find justice in another way other than politically. Because it sounds like getting political justice out of the state of Pennsylvania is, is just absurd, you know. Um, but I just want to, again, thank you for, for coming on and giving us great insight, Doctor. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Anna, are, are you with us? Okay, unfortunately, I, I guess we have connectivity problems. Uh, Dr. Nichols, we greatly appreciate uh, having had the opportunity to have you on. And uh, we would greatly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you again um, as uh, information, you know, our, our email uh, communication is going crazy with uh, People that now feel that, you know, they're, they're, uh, the information that they have that's factual was, uh, was significantly downplayed during the course of the uh, media blitz. Um, and we'd like to certainly like to have you uh, back again to address those things um, when it, when it, when is it, when it's in your wheelhouse, um, particularly with your, your knowledge of, uh, intercollegiate uh, athletics and the circumstances that took place at that time. I'd be happy to help your, uh, uh, your work as best I can. So please feel free to call on me. Yes, sir. Doctor, again, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Take you, care. doctor. And the name that escaped me, it was Bill O'Reilly. I'd love to see him uh, investigate this himself. I see. But there's significant uh, interest in the uh, Pennsylvania judicial system and the uh, Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General's handling of this entire case. Um, if you have information in regard to that, please 
reach out to us. We can be contacted by uh, via email at searchwarrant02 at gmail.com. And we can also, um, if, you, if you reach out to us on that, we'll get right back to you. Um, additionally, if you're a law enforcement officer and you have, you've had a case that uh, has been completely ignored or maybe the media can, uh, manipulated the story into something that's uh, completely irrecognizable, um, please reach out to us. We'd like to have the, we'd be uh, pleased to have the opportunity to uh, promote your case. And if you are a listener and have information pertaining to any of the cases that we are exploring, uh, please give us a call. Or if you have a case that we that you'd like us to explore, we'd be happy to do that as well. Just give us an email, send us an email. And you can also reach us through the uh, Search Warrant Podcast website which is uh, searchwarrantpodcast.com. Okay, thank you very much. Everybody hang tough, and we'll uh, be coming at you again here very shortly. Thank you very much. Thank you, and accept nothing but the truth. Right.